This is the Edify Podcast for the Servant. Dorothy Sayers once said, when we read the poem or see the play or picture or hear the music, it is as though a light were turned on inside of us. We say, ah, I recognize that. That is something which I obscurely felt to be going on in and about me, but I didn't know what it was and couldn't express it. But now that the artist has made its image, imaged it forth from me, I can possess and take hold of it and make it my own and turn it into a source of knowledge and strength. Do you ever think about the role of the Word in the drama of Scripture? You know, in the last few episodes, and specifically the last uh, the last episode, we we summarized the link between uh, the Scripture, or, or maybe the structure of Scripture, and the story of Scripture. And what I want to do in this this episode, at least initially, is to unpack the role that the Word plays in the drama of Scripture. For those of you that are thespians and enjoy good movies and good acting and good storytelling. Uh, my granddaddy was that way. Uh, my dad's that way. Good storytellers. You could sit and listen to them all day. And um, they often said that my papa, would, if you if you were to cut his hands or <laughs> cut his hands off or tie him behind his back, he would not be able to speak because when he spoke, he always used his hands, you know, and it seemed like his his fingers were about 12 inches long <laughs> each. And uh, he was he was very interactive when he told his stories. But this this can be this this episode can be very important, and maybe when we're thinking about the whole storytelling of Scripture, this episode can be one of the most important um, because it's foundational for everything else. And I want to talk about briefly two vantage points for the story, which is the view from above and the view from below. And I kind of want to narrate the view from below in ten different scenes, and we'll probably get to that next episode. But let's talk about number one. The word in the view from above. The view from above sees a Trinitarian God. That's a theological term, represents the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But that, that Trinitarian God who was and is and is to come, he, he is the all-powerful. He has no real rivals. Uh, Satan is not a rival. He is an enemy, but he's not a rival. He can't compete with the Lord. He is the king of ages, immortal, immortal, invisible, the only God, 1 Timothy 1.17. He is the blessed and sovereign, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, 1 Timothy 6.15-16. So the view from above sees a God who reigns above, the flux and ebb and flow and chaos of creation, no purpose of his, and you would agree, uh, could ever be frustrated or throttled. Uh, the psalmist says that the Lord laughs, the laughs, the Lord laughs at them who who hold him um, and hold his plans in derision, who think they can throttle his purpose or or slow that down. No one could ever successfully oppose him or undo what he has planned. There can be no question as to whether his promises will come to pass or whether his agenda will succeed. So what is his unstoppable and overarching agenda? Well, it's global glory. It's the global glory agenda. And what I mean is, is that the king aims to spread the fame of his name. That's the way it was in creation in the beginning. Uh, go and subdue all the earth. 
uh, go and take it. He put him in the east of the garden of this place called Eden, and he said, uh, make the rest of the world look just like this. And that's the idea. Th this sweeping uh, theme helps, what's the word, orient? Yeah, orient the reader of Scripture. Uh, maybe the three big picture questions, what, how, and why, a good, a good preacher, a good communicator, and a good storyteller is going to tell you the what and the how and the why. Scripture is a story in which, number one, God rules, which is what he does. That's the what. Number two, by his word. Now, that's how he does it. And number three, for his glory. And that's why he does it. So what he does, how he does, and why he does is that God rules by his word for his glory. Now, all three of these points shine as dazzling aspects of God's um, un unparalleled, unparalleled greatness. A, a greater king exists than the human mind could even possibly imagine. He is self-existent. He rules over everything that he brought into existence. That that's the what of Scripture. This this greatest uh, of all kings has a greater weapon than has ever ever been invented, and it's called the Word of God. The Word is the which is the means by which God administers his reign, the how of Scripture. This coming Sunday I'm preaching on what do we do when our heroes die? What do we do when our elders leave? Because we are having an elder step down, and he's been one for 20-plus years, and he's a good man, a good man. And they're moving. They're they're moving about an hour south, and he's he and his wife, they've served us well. They're of retirement age, um, and they are moving... Um, like I said, an hour south to be with their grandson, uh, their one of their daughters and and her husband and their grandson. And they're and they're wanting to spend uh, their life, you know, um, uh, picking him up and going to ball games and all those sorts of things that they're missing. And so we wish them we wish them all the best. We love them. We're going to miss them. Godspeed. All the things. And so Sunday, I'm preaching about how God is going to replace him. How the Holy Spirit specifically is going to replace him. Um, and we're going to fill that void, that we're going to uh, not be in fear, we're not going to be uh, concerned, or we're not going to be worried. Uh, God will raise up another person just like he has our Tim. And so we're thankful for Tim and all that he's done, and he's been a hero for us, and especially me. You know, some, sometimes you have some elders that are that are more inclined to you than others, and that's just the way that it is with every preacher and eldership. And Tim was definitely one of those those individuals. He uh, he was, he was my friend and, and still is, but I, I, I will miss him here at Piedmont road. But the, the, the how of scripture, um, or the, what God is the, what of scripture and the way that he rules and, and what I was just speaking of raising up new eldership, um, the how of that is, is his sovereign reign It's through the scripture. Uh, he, he has, um, he has it through his scripture, the the why, which is to spread his glory, filling the whole earth and the knowledge of his glory. So notice the role of the word in this drama. It's life-giving power it is unparalleled because it, it brought all into being out of nothing. Its power to kill is also unrivaled. God brings judgment upon humanity through uh, through his word. And it's often presented in Scripture as a weapon, maybe as a sword. I know it is, 
this sword is is more powerful than a ring of power, an atomic bomb, any any weapon that could that could ever be invented by anyone. So the word is the instrument God uses to create the world. Second Peter three five to rule over the world, uh, chapter three and verse six, and to bring final judgment upon the world, chapter three and verse seven. But there's even more. The word of God has a hinge, if you will, a hinge point that changes everything. You know, we we could maybe even call it a hinge of all history, the elbow, the hub, uh, where the gospel has forever impacted this world. Um, there, there comes a point when the great weapon is revealed as a person. Uh, in, in, in other words, the how, which is the word of God, becomes the who, Jesus, the word of God incarnate. God administers his rule and his reign through the word of God in the Old Testament and then God's Son comes to reign as the incarnate Word that brings God's kingdom to bear in the New Testament. That's John 1, 1 Revelation nineteen thirteen, And so Jesus will bring the story to a dramatic conclusion with his second coming. And the, the ending is so great that, <laughs> that we do not yet have... Um, we don't have categories to comprehend what it will be like. I've often heard it said that that we're going to be frustrated with John <laughs> when after we've read the we've read the revelation our whole life and we get to heaven and we see it and it's nowhere near what we had written was nowhere near the beauty that we will behold and, and <laughs> let's just say that we step over there and you know and talk to John and say John you know couldn't you done a better job you know with the uh, with the revelation and and of course being inspired tongue in cheek um, he would say all I had was words. All I had was words to describe what I saw. You know, the Bible says um, the Bible says that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters covered the sea. Habakkuk two fourteen. You know, um, that's that's this picture of the gospel of Jesus, and the gospel of Jesus has forever changed this this world. Um, there's no doubt that we live in such a much better world because of the gospel of Jesus. Uh, we don't live in first century Rome or third century Rome. Uh, we don't live in any of that. Uh, we we live at a time and a place where Scripture and the 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 interjection of the gospel into all the world has forever shifted and changed the world, which I think is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, uh, just as we as we wrap up this episode of of this drama of of scripture and the role of the word in the drama of scripture number 1 what what's the what of the story well the what is god and that god rules by number 2 the how which is his word this is how he does it and number 3 it's for his glory that's the why so what how and why we we would do well as preachers to convey that to people um let me give you let me give you this as as we wrap this up. There's a fellow by the name of Simon Sinek, and I want you to go and watch his TED Talk. Uh, his TED Talk, one of his TED Talks, is around the around the around the idea of advertisement, and he talks about how you see companies that they'll be very successful based on how they advertise, and he talks about. That you look at an Apple product, and an Apple product is the same as one that's a Samsung or a Sony or a Microsoft or an Nokia, that all these companies can come up with and create um, something similar. 
everything is all similar. It's, you know, it's different flavors. It's got a, you know, it's got this, this color here rather than this color here. And the screen isn't rounded. It's, it's got a point to it, you know, so they all vary, but they're all pretty much the same thing. But one of the things that Simon talks about in his lecture, and he's got good books, uh, Leaders Eat Last, that's a great one. Uh, anyway, Simon Sinek is his name. In this particular TED Talk, he talks about how the advertisement of Apple is what uh, set them apart from everybody else. That they went into uh, their advertisement the way that the Lord went with the gospel, the way that we are to go with the gospel. And so uh, Simon says that, that Apple, they began by saying, wouldn't it be great? Or rather, they begin with a problem. They say, you know, what's difficult is that we have dial-up and we have to um, we have to go to the wall to talk to somebody on the phone. Uh, we have to go over to a computer to, if we want to answer our emails or, or search the web. Uh, you know, we have to have a paper calendar in our pocket if we want to keep up with things. And so what that what Apple did was they said, you know, wouldn't it be great? We have all these things and it's and it's all discombobulated. Wouldn't it be great if we pulled everything together? What if we had one particular device where you could make phone calls and check emails and browse the web and and purchase things online and and what if you could do what if you could do all your 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 calendar on this one particular device? And what if you could talk to, you know, people around the world through this one particular device? Wouldn't it be great if we had that? And and then he says and and what they do is they say and we do, and it's called the iPhone, and here it is, and you're welcome. And what Simon says, talking about the psychology of the mind, is if you begin with a universal problem and you say, all of us have this problem, all of us wish we had it fixed, all of us wish we had one device where we could do this one thing, and then he says, and we here at Apple, we have it. And he says, by the time you say we have it and it's here, he said they're sold before you even show it to them, and they're sold before they even find out what the price is. And he said, companies that do the opposite, they advertise you the product, they show you what they have, they show you what they're able to do, and they don't begin with the problem of the story, then you're you're less likely to get their attention. And their companies have folded when they've just said, here's our product, here it is, we hope you like it. And so in this TED Talk, that's that's kind of where he goes, and is that, that Jesus, with the gospel, we're presented with a problem. Aren't you tired of marital problems? Aren't you tired of fighting with your children? Don't, don't you just hate it when your boss says this? Don't you hate it when you have to say these sort of things to these sort of people in these sort of ways? Yes, yes, yes. Wouldn't it be great if there was one cure for every one of your problems? Yes, I'll buy it. What is it? How much? Well, it's the salvation of Jesus, and the problem is sin. And so he's here to fix that for you. Here it is. So the way that you advertise the gospel in this great dramatic story, uh, it matters to people. It's, it's, if if we show up, you notice, um, I know like Rob Whitaker, he does this in his lectures with the House to House and the uh, Back to the Bible Studies, this um, evangelism work that he does. Uh, he'll talk about how Jesus deflected answers, that Jesus wouldn't always give people answers, that there were a lot of times when somebody would ask Jesus a question and he would ask them a question. And so he wouldn't give them immediate satisfaction. So if somebody were to come up and say, what does a person need to do in order to be saved? We could say, would you be willing to study? Or would you be, would you, do you, do you wonder what the Bible says about this? Or what do you think the Bible has to say about this? And, and it begins to, it begins to turn the wheels in the mind. Whereas if you were to say Acts 2.38, there's been no discovery learning. There's been no intriguing of the mind. You've just told them something. You've not, you've not walked them through discovery. 
you've not you've not brought them along in, in in cultivating an answer and you've not tilled the ground and the mind is a wonderful thing it's a powerful thing uh, and this isn't manipulation but this is one of the ways that it sticks with people if you were to say you know what that's a good question um, there's a lot of people wondering that you know uh, what you know there's a lot of people that are on their deathbed wondering about about salvation you know I don't want to be there do you oh no no I don't want to be there okay um, you know, it'd be great if there was one one verse or uh, particular sets of verses that would help us walk through that, you know, and, and show us that. And, and do you think God is a God of love? Oh, I sure do. I mean, well, the Bible even says God is love, you know. I mean, that's that's all my mama ever taught me. I mean, I don't know much about the Bible, but I know God is love, and I know Jesus saves. And and you say, you know, that's that's good. And, you know, it sounds like you had a good mama, and it sounds like she taught you right. And, you know, what 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 do you think about studying, sitting down and and, and studying through this together with me and and working with me through this and and let's see what actually what what god has to say about salvation you know uh yeah you know because i don't want to be on my deathbed without without hope and i you know i want to be a good boy because my mama raised me that way and you know she's dead and gone and i miss her and i want to see her in heaven again and you know she loved the lord but but you know i I spent about 27 years away from the lord so i just don't know what to do and you know what that it would be a good thing to do and so so you see the way that you present it, you present the story, you tell the story is not gimmicks, uh, but you 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 gain people's heart, you gain people's trust, you gain people's commonality, and you realize that, hey, we all have a universal problem, <laughs> and thanks be to God, there's a universal, a universal fix um, that will redeem us, and through that gift, uh, give us the glory. So may God bless you in the, the the what and the how and the why of this great drama that we're preaching and teaching every week.